Welcome to Read This Fucking Book, podcast number 23.5, Heir to the Shadows and Queen of the Darkness by Anne Bishop. This is a supplementary episode to number 23 in which we read Daughter of the Blood, the first book in the Black Jewels trilogy. So in this episode, we are talking about books two and three of the same trilogy. Um, as with the first book, I'm going to start with a trigger warning. Um, these later books in the trilogy don't explicitly depict any of these things, but the incidents and the perpetrating characters are definitely referred to multiple times in both books. So if you're going to be triggered by themes of rape, sexual torture, non-consensual sex, pedophilia, the rape of a child, or incest, you should probably skip this podcast and you should definitely skip these books. So, um, <laughs> it's always such a heavy said, thing to say at the beginning, but important. But important. <laughs> so, all that said, um, before we talk about these books, uh, Rachel, have you been reading anything else or have any other sort of fun book like news that you want to talk about? Yeah. So, I mean, we sort of went on like a mini hiatus because of uh, my con schedule because I was just trying to get too many costumes done for two different conventions. So that's it's my fault that we have not been updating. Um, but that being said, uh, I wasn't reading a lot while I was making stuff. But now that I'm back from those conventions, I've been reading on the train. And I am uh, currently or just I'm actually just kind of finishing up this descent into uh, like regency bodice rippers which i had never i never really read them but like i was not interested i think i just like they were like they kept getting recommended to me i was like you know what fine i'll buy this it'll be down 99 and then like 12 books later i'm still reading them mm -hmm. um but i kind of love them i mean i love romance in general just because like there's there's these tropes that i think are really comforting in romance that, uh, uh, because they always include like consent and like just a lot of back and forth about emotion but something that i've noticed in these regency romances is that there's also quite a lot of plot mm -hmm. um because there's always like some mystery or someone inheriting something or or i have to know a lot of geography in like, of, like mm -hmm. where like where things are in london versus like where they are in surrey or something like i don't know i feel like they're a lot more complicated than your average your average uh romance novel so i've been enjoying them i i started on tessa dare and now i'm reading sarah mclean her scoundrel mm -hmm. series which is pretty hot and heavy um and a little bit more i would say like the heroes are a little bit more um anti-hero than the Tessa Dare books, but I like them both. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, that's awesome. I mean, in the first place, you never have to try and justify to me why reading romance is awesome um, because I find it as a genre to be incredibly uplifting. And I think it's really beautiful that at least one fucking genre exists that unabashedly says that love heals and that human relating and kindness and empathy and learning to deeply understand and intimately relate to another human being is profound and healing and joyful and amazing. Yeah. Like we need fucking more of that. Like where's that in all the rest of the genres? Like yeah, I think seriously looking at all of you. <laughs> and, and like, I think it's also like, especially in like fantasy, um, 
trends right now, it's really nice to sit down and read a book that, you know, isn't going to hurt you. <laughs> like, yes, like it's going to have, it's going to work out. Like whatever the problem is, it will work out in the end because that's just what happens. And like the villain yes. will get theirs or somebody will have some sort of epic realization and, and move on and heal. And, and yeah, it's, yes. it's always but about, even if there's trauma, it's, there's going to be yeah. healing before the end of the book. <laughs> it's, in general, there's always kind of like this broken people, healing each other kind of theme that I really enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. Especially, you know, I'm like, you know, watching Game of Thrones. I just got out of Endgame today. Like I need, I need some of that. Just. Yes. We need, we need some healing instead of broken people breaking <laughs> whole people or, or just breaking each other worse. Like, come on. Yeah. Come on, where's yeah. the other side? So of it's, <laughs> it's a good genre. And I, I've never, um, I've never tried like the period uh, romances before. But now well, I'm hooked. <laughs> okay, well, this this makes me feel a lot more um, confident in maybe making you read some for the podcast at some point. Because mm. I, I have read, uh, maybe not the particular books you were, but I've read both Tessa Dare and at least one Sarah McLean book. So um, they're, they're definitely authors that I enjoy and have gone uh, in Tessa Dare, I've gone back several times to some of her um, other books. Uh, the McLean, I'm not sure if that was something where I just didn't click with that book or if it was one of the points in my life where I just pulled away from romance and haven't gone back to it yet. Um, yeah, I think I would consider Tessa Dare like a good place to start if you'd never, if you if you're new to the genre, uh, because I started there and really liked it. And I think that she, she has like a modern lens in her mm-hmm. writing. Um, so they're fairly feminist and the, the characters are, they're not like just their whole goal isn't to just get married and have babies. Like they tend to like, be scientists or you know chafing yes. against their role that kind of story yes well i'm congratulations welcome, welcome to the, uh, the <laughs> i know <fold. laughs> i didn't know about romance landia and now i know about romance landia it's like a whole hashtag on twitter yeah and we, we can we can start using some of the shorthands like oh that that guy's a total alpha hole mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. like that's there's some there's some really great terminology yeah um <laughs> <laughs> well, I have I have actually for once also been reading another book. Um and this one is very much in my uh sort of comfort zone wheelhouse. Um uh Sharon Shin, who is pretty much my favorite author of all time, has a new trilogy out. Um it's an interesting uh book release setup in that they're only available via um Audible right now. I think there's a there's a window where it's audio only until like June or July or something. Um, if you're reading, if you're hearing this way in the future, this is, the year is 2019. So these books were released in March or April of 2019 and have like a three or four month window of exclusivity to Audible. So anyway, I um, am not very far into the first one of the trilogy. Um, it's called Echoes in Onyx. And the I think it's the Echoes trilogy. Um but uh, it's also kind of hard for me to judge how far I am because I'm like I don't know three hours in. But what does that mean? Does yeah, that mean I'm, I don't you know a third of the way through the book or you know a fifth? Yeah, and I I really haven't explored them much either. Um, so the uh, the reader is um, acceptable. I didn't find it like oh god I can't listen to this, uh, which a lot of a lot of the audiobooks I've sampled have felt like that to me. So yeah. um, they picked a good reader for the uh, the book. She's maybe a little too over like over bright with her. And then we did this. But, you know, eh, 
It's, I guess it's better than flat. Um, yeah, but I the, mean, it might be. It's hard, though. <laughs> I have a hard time listening to people read just because they read so much slower than I, I, I can mm-hmm. read. So I get very, like, yeah. lost. Yeah, so this is definitely slower than, like, reading it silently to myself off the page. But in terms of her reading speed, it's a lot closer to speech than um, a lot of what I've heard. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. Like, it's comfortable for me to listen to. Um, and the the premise of the story, um, I mean, basically the high concept is that uh, the the nobles in this land um, are uh, like they're born, and within like the first week, these like literal physical, physically identical copies of them called echoes appear in their cradle. Like who knows where they come from, um, and the. Uh, common wisdom is that they're not like autonomous. They're simply like second bodies that are almost like appendages and they're like a little, a little paler and they're silent and they don't seem to have much will or volition of their own. They just copy all of the movements of the primary person. And um, the, I, I just got to the part of the book where they explain where this came from. It was a, a blessing from, um from the god basically or the goddess i guess in in this world um after there were so many assassinations of like kings and nobles i think this is kind of supposed to be like the italian city states um and some of the ruthlessness and like machiavellian power grabbing that was there um as a setting um and uh, that that basically the echoes uh appeared so as a blessing from the goddess so that an assassin couldn't tell who was like the real one and then there's also a legend where like the first one who had like one of them who had a whole bunch of echoes uh several of them got or his body got slain in battle and he just jumped to an echo and then to another echo and then to another echo and so finally like you know he was down to like two or something at the end but his guys won and so i don't know it's like it's kind of just this weird wacky but like fascinating like high concept it's like um, the it's main like video games but real life like you get an extra yeah life kind of thing yeah yeah and so the main character of the book is a um enterprising village girl who uh moves to the you know province capital and gets a job as a lady's maid to lady marguerite who is the governor's daughter and has three echoes and um we've definitely met the hero of the story because sharon shin is pretty reliable about having a romance in her books sometimes it's like the main point of the story sometimes it's really like a side quest and to be determined uh which it is in this book but um he is uh basically the spy master in training for the king's spy master and the king's sons are about to make a visit to the um governor's palace so there's lots of intrigue and that's why he's there scouting around and like meeting everyone around the palace that he can and you know it's i don't know it's uh it's good so far and it's definitely very sharon shinny so okay. <laughs> that's a good thing like it's it's one of those things where um like you know you kind of know what you're expecting and it's like yeah i want that feel and that those sort of elements just like in this new world with these new characters and that's what it is so far so i'm excited cool i've I've only ever read one sharon shin book it was called archangel um i'm not even sure if it's part of a series or not and it was many many years ago um archangel is definitely part of a series but it's one where there's like it's a bunch of books set in the same world more than it is like a series where you follow the same characters. I see. 
Okay. Yeah. But Archangel was my introduction to her books, and it's it's amazing. Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> I do remember liking it a lot. Yeah. Um, all right. So I guess we're going to descend into these <laughs> into kind the of, darkness, into these dark fantasy. I, I guess they're romance. They don't. I don't know. I don't know I don't that know I can. I, I don't know that I want to call like, them yeah. a romance. It's it's a it's a dark fantasy with romantic elements, but yeah, yeah. But you know, not totally, not totally genre flip. Just just very different. This yes. is not the comforting read. This is not the uh, we're sure everyone's making it out alive at the end read. Right, and um, and. Just as a reminder, we we started reading these as, in response to having read all of the uh, mm-hmm. Sarah J. Moss books. So, the, well, the, yeah, the Court of Thorns and Roses. Series. Yeah. So because we felt that they were very similar. Um, so yeah. Uh, so you assign these to me. This is the supplementary episode where we read the rest of the trilogy. Although there are eleven books. Um, eleven. it's it's possible there's that many side books i don't know like there's um uh i mean i know there's like two novels that are that take place kind of after these with different characters and then there's like a prequel that gets into the guy damon knew way back when and how his queen handled a similar situation and then there's uh I think one prequel with Surreal getting into trouble um, and then just a bunch of like novellas. Novella, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, we read the the rest of the trilogy. Um, I read them over um, a kind of broken period of time because I did, I was traveling. So I am a little shaky on what happened <laughs> in which book, but I think it's fine because they weren't originally published separately right or they well they they were published separately but this is a trilogy like lord of the rings where really it's one story in three books and so there's like some time delineations between them but the whole thing creates one story and it would be very unsatisfying to read one book and not the others so right yeah so i will do my best to summarize this plot so uh we left at when we left uh our hero uh janelle had um basically been broken uh because some terrible things happened to her but the heroes won out and she escaped I'm a little shaky on the transition between book one and two <laughs> and um but suffice to say the second book is about her um sort of being healed from that and uh kind of her family uh coming together in her court in Kalir, which is the underworld and uh her so her the the three sort of main male characters are her father figure satan and then his two sons uh lucavar or lucivar and damon and everyone kind of comes together and but in so doing damon is lost to it to the the what is it the twisted kingdom and yeah. he, because he's helping get Janelle out, but then has lost himself. Uh, and really, it's just kind of a lot. It, it sort of devolves into politics, really. It's a lot of mm-hmm. scenes between her new court um, and 
a lot of people's internal thoughts about what they think everyone's motivations are and how they think everything <laughs> should be run. And then we get a few scenes with the baddies kind of doing all their twisted shit. Uh, and at the end of that second book, Damon ha- uh, comes out of the Twisted Kingdom and some time has passed. Janelle is 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 better well, but still growing, still a young woman. Um, and Damon is kind of lost uh, and, uh, you know, needs somebody to kind of babysit him. So that's what Surreal does. She finds him. And then as we move into the third book, uh, some, I think another five years goes by. And in that five years, Janelle sort of comes into her own. She becomes like an adult. She is now the queen of her own realm. Uh, Satan, her father is her kind of chief advisor. Then he has some other sons that kind of make up the rest of her like court officials. Lucivar has joined her and also gotten married to someone and he has a young son. Uh, and he's kind of like the captain of the guard. And Damon, through the help of Surreal, has returned to himself and he journeys to-, to the court, Janelle's court, to kind of join her and be her consort. And there's a little bit of um, that but it's not really a romance, right? It's kind of like right. more, the more of it is just like him deciding to go <laughs> and then everyone deciding that he's not actually bad because he's, you know, he's cultivated the 700 year reputation as a very bad man. Right. Uh, and then <laughs> her, the bad guys, Dorothea and Hecate kind of their final plan spins out where they think that they're going to take over the blood and kidnap Lucivar's kid and his wife uh, Janelle doesn't react the way that everyone thinks that she will. Uh, only Damon really knows her mind. And she basically ends up sacrificing herself to save her kingdom and everyone in it, the rest of the blood, uh, by like cleansing the blood, by getting rid of all the baddies. Uh, but Damon, of course, is stubborn. He hasn't suffered for 700 years to, <laughs> to see her die before they can really be together. Um, figures out a way to save her while she saves the rest of them but she does there is another heal yet another healing process uh and then kind of that's when the story pretty much closes like there's a, there's a there's like a whole subplot with the kindred and everything but i you know that's mm-hmm. the main overarching yeah theme. that basically yeah i mean I, I i would say that uh there's a lot of emotional angst in the book. Janelle, so much. Like, so much. Like not <laughs> wanting to be the queen, not wanting to use her power, not wanting to have to like hurt anybody and, until basically like all of these elements of um, a- agents of Dorothea and Hecata um, keep like trying to run plans that are hurting her friends and threatening to take her away from her family until finally she says okay motherfuckers let's do this and she like makes her offering to the darkness and comes out with a jewel so black like there's they had to create a new word for it like the ebony instead of the black and um you know uh declares herself the queen of the entire realm of kalir so right and then like later on when she does her descent because she's so dark she can descend so far that mm-hmm. she can just she can just do shit that other people can't, but no one really knows because she's been so very private and secretive about right. everything that she does. Yeah. Um, well, actually, that um, that uh, if you want to if you want to move into that first, it's one of the uh, the thematic elements that I definitely want to talk about is basically like just the sort of 
poor communication and <laughs> like sort of insistence on privacy and you just have to trust me, you know, yes. sort of attitude because um, I don't know. I just, I think it's, I think it's very unhealthy and I think it's also echoed very strongly in like the court books with Reese and um, Feyre both. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, a lot of that is like, because you can't reveal every, like when you're in your character's minds, I think that's the limitation. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not going to do a limited like third person or you know you, yeah the third if, person omniscient or whatever. yeah like you have to keep things from the the reader somehow and you do that by having everyone keep some secrets which gets mm-hmm. really frustrating because that's not how people act like you right know, you have or, or if it is it's like a really like unhealthy mode of relating to the people around you that you supposedly love and trust and have relationships with <laughs> right and i think like it, it, you're asking a lot from the reader because you know, we've been on this journey as well. Mm-hmm. And we we believe that the characters deserve the truth. And I think eventually, um, you know, either people intuit the truth in a way that's just kind of like great, because otherwise this would have been exhausting. Or mm-hmm. um, like kind of how like Lucifer basically immediately figures it out. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I don't I can't go through like three chapters of him vowing like vengeance on his brother and shit for not killing his wife and son. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I just couldn't. Uh, But I think that it becomes more obvious that that the writer may be leaning on that trope. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't it's just kind of like I never really got a handle on the magic in these books. In all three of them, I felt like the rules would sometimes change or that mm-hmm. I would get information later on that I didn't. I was kind of like, oh, okay. Like, there was a lot of lore that was dumped at, like, the end, like, with mm-hmm. the dragons and the webs and everything. And, like, maybe I just wasn't paying attention enough early on. But I find all of that, a, like, a little incomprehensible. Like, I would just kind of read it and be like, all right, well, this will be over someday. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think I think in some ways it's supposed to be a little bit like I don't know, like you're, you're like an impressionist painting where it's a it's a little bit nebulous and you know, like the like the Black Widow webs are a little easier to understand because like they they weave a quote tangled web and they see a vision in it and so that's something where yeah, it's, but then it's like kind the of webs like, come back when they're like doing their descent into the darkness like then there's like three webs and they are and you can they both visualize things but you can also bounce around on them and I just don't right like, like that stuff, yeah like those, like those are like the yeah I mean there's healing webs and I, I guess that, I think that's maybe just like a way of saying like really complicated spells yeah you know. Um, and then there's like the inner web, which is like basically your your internal like psyche. And if you break through like your web, um, you can break your magic and you could break your mind. And you know that that's kind of what they're doing at the at the very end, where they're like rolling her through the, like the the webs of the different. Layers. Oh my god, it's I was like trying to like draw maps. Of... I was like, wait, now he's rolling left. Now he's rolling up. What's happening? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> You just have to roll with it? <laughs> yeah, ha ha. No, I mean, I, I think it's one of those books where it's kind of like, I just kind of trusted that the plot would write itself eventually. Like, I like mm-hmm. I would understand it at the end. Because um, it was really, more to me, more about these, these interpersonal relationships, despite the fact yeah. that they were bad communicators, that mm-hmm. they could hurt each other over and over and over again, and yet still sort of implicitly trust each other, despite the fact that they never really learned 
how to communicate at all. Like, right. I think Sur- Surreal has the best reaction because she's like, well, fine, fuck it. Nobody's telling me anything. I'm going to go mm-hmm. do the right thing. You can't no, surreal stop me. <laughs> yeah, Surreal is, is awesome. She she has that reaction in a couple places, and I appreciate it so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, like her, her adventure, like, was cogent for me. Like, I was like, all right, we're with Surreal. This is going to be, like let's we have a plan we're gonna do the plan or you know like mm-hmm. she thought to herself coherently um yeah <laughs> it was it because... was and i say that in not as like a criticism but just as like that's the feeling right because like right. someone like damon who is so close to madness mm-hmm. it's almost part of his magic this his ability to kind of go back and forth between one personality and the other like this one personality right. that's truly him and the other personality that was like made that he made to deal with all of the shit Mm-hmm. Uh, and he would kind of flip back and forth between them and it was really scary for everyone involved like surreal especially she was like she talks about how like she just saw him flip to the to mm-hmm. the the sadist and it was kind of like wait what's happening <laughs> like yeah yeah like it, it, there's definitely um uh, a a very I mean, she, she's definitely playing with, like, psychological tropes and, like, the idea of a true self and an ego personality self where, like, it, these are the defenses that you create to deal with, like, the world and with trauma. And, you know, can you separate the two? Can you move yourself beyond that, like, ego role kind of thing? And um, one, one thing that I appreciate so much about um, about the, the main characters is that both Damon and... I mean, Damon and Lucivar, to a lesser extent, have that role self that they play. Yeah. But they are doing it so consciously. Whereas, you know, with most people, um, it's it's unconscious. And the process of, like, coming to that realization is, like, a lot of work and a lot of, like, pain. So for them, it's a very consciously driven, like, process. Yeah, I think and maybe I, for, like, Satan, he does it all unconsciously. Like, he mm-hmm. he deals with, like, immense... I guess he's just not very he has no self-confidence which is weird he's the lord of hell but right he always underestimates himself or doubts himself or just or under- thinks that nobody would ever want yeah, like his friendship himself. or his yeah. you know yeah I mean I and I and I guess that's again it's a very common thing if you have a history of like you know being rejected by you know your family or by society or like both by all of it like that creates that very deep sort of um psychological belief that you're bad and that no one would want you and so like it it comes up over and over again for him in his relationship with janelle that like he's continually surprised that like she actually likes him and she wants him to be her father she Mm -hmm. chooses to stay with him like she wouldn't just like run away from him at the first opportunity so like Like, yeah let's talk about that scene so that's the second book where like the council of, of the blood is kind of like look we think janelle might be a little unhinged and or and we definitely don't like satan having all this this influence over her we want to mm-hmm. want to be able to control her uh so we're gonna basically kind of it was very harry potter to me for in a weird way where it was like this council of magic users is going to come together and tell you what you can and can't do and right. they were like <laughs> oh satan lord of hell we're just gonna tell you you can't be her guardian anymore we're gonna give her to someone else because at that point she was i guess still a minor and mm-hmm. she she goes and she's very much like okay fine that's that's your decision um you know, I will transfer the transfer my, you know, the guardianship uh, when the sun rises. 
Mm-hmm. And then she just uses her magic to keep the sun from rising for three days until they were like, oh, shit. And then they kind of are like, never mind. And she's like, OK. And the sun rises. And the whole time, Satan's just like, yeah, that's right. She doesn't want to be with me. This is dumb. Of course, she would agree with them. I'm nothing. I'm dirt. I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> just like, he's very emo. He goes full emo, full emo, full emo. And he does the same thing about Sylvia, which we never really get a resolution with him and Sylvia, which I assume is for later novellas uh, or other books. Uh, but he's very much like, oh, I'm nothing. I'm demon dead or close to demon dead. And Sylvia can't be with me and all this other bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Why would a woman ever want me for myself instead of my position? Right. Yes. Just, just, yeah. He doesn't value himself. Despite the fact that everyone around him is like, you're the greatest. You're the best. We love you. You know, they risk themselves countless times to get him, to save him. Mm-hmm. Except that, you know, you also have to remember he's, he's had, what, like 50,000 years of, right. like, rejection prior to this. So, you know, it's like... Right. It's, <laughs> pa- patterns are hard to break. Yeah. He has he has some work to do. <laughs> he does have some work to do. Um, yeah, so w- one thing that, um, that you, you touched on a little bit that I just... I, I don't know if it's worth saying anything more than just saying it directly. Like, there's... Almost this, like, weird, complete lack of world building. Like, because the only thing that matters in this book is the relationships between all of these people. I still don't know where stuff is. Like, I know Kalir yeah. is, the is like, the dark... Like, there's a light world and a dark world. And I guess the shit world in between. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's it's the light world and the dark... dark world it's and like hell. light realm, shadow realm, and then the the dead... The, the undead realm, okay. which is actually hell. So Kalir is the shadow realm. And so, so I assume that everything is basically in Kalir. Like, even all these random city names. I don't know where any of those places are. I still don't know where <laughs> they're going when they go anywhere on, like, the red winds. I just don't know. I'm, I just... Right. <laughs> Exactly. Like, what is this? Is, is, it, is like, it a flat earth? Is it a globe? Like, we, we don't even know that. Like, I don't what, know. What's going uh, on? Like, there are spider people. There are dog people. There are wolf people. There are unicorn people. There are, there are tiger people. Tiger and then people. there's like fawns elves. and elves. And then there's humans. And some of them live like forever. And Where some do of any them of them live? I have no idea. Are <laughs> normal human. And like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Exactly. The normal human, I don't even think they exist. I know that she says that they exist, but I don't believe her Be- and we, we literally we see one in, <laughs> in the entire book yeah <laughs> I mean, or the entire series and then like there's the dragons which is where they get all their blood magic their jewel magic from because the jewels end up being like their scales or whatever mm-hmm. but then there's like the girl dragon person who seems to be like a dragon kin but then there's like the dragon king who's like an actual dragon in the mountain but they're married i don't know there's a yeah, lot like she questions. she used to be a dragon and i think she gave up like her dragon body to create the blood so like everything her scales touched became like the the blood which is why there's like kindred that have magic that's the the animals with magic or kindred and humans that have magic and so then she took that um, human form to sort of be the keeper of the archives. The librarian? And yeah, I don't still know. still hang out with her dragon <laughs> husband sometimes. sometimes. I don't know. Nobody knew he was there until suddenly at the end of the second book he was there. Uh, yeah. Like we thought he was a legend. Like Because these... he was like, he like tells Satan, he's like, you are the son of my mind. And it's Satan's still like, I'm a piece of crap. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's like this ancient fucking like dragon god has just touched you and been like, you're the special one. It's you. And Satan's like, no, I'm nothing. (laughs) Yeah. They all need therapy. 
all every single one of them needs a licensed therapist and like one therapist can't handle them all they each need their own yeah it's like full-time gig being like (laughs) therapists Mm -hmm. for any of them they could do conferences where like the therapists leave and like write papers and to discuss like how to deal with these people who live in this place Mm -hmm. their inability (laughs) it's just like satan come on uh what else yeah well um that's that's actually uh something that um i it's it's a point that i want to bring up um i think we i think we talked about this a little bit in the first book is how um it seems like ann bishop pretty clearly has some sort of relationship with like traumatized children whether she was one or maybe i i think maybe work has you know has worked with them or maybe like a an intimate family member like a husband or a mother or something worked with them um because there's there's scenes that like are literally straight out of trauma recovery like process handbooks in in terms of like how janelle is handling the healing and like i know i know with lucivar when he finally like gets to Kalir and they have that moment where they basically like together grieve for all of the pain like that he endured as a child Mm -hmm. and it's one of those moments where it's like you have to let go of the grief but you can still be proud of the person that that situation made you Mm -hmm. you know so it's like how do you how do you let go of the bad but keep the good and i don't know like like she does there's a couple places where she does something like that and it's just so very like clearly following like clinical protocols and it's it's handled i think really like beautifully and and gently and in in this healing way so if you're a reader who's maybe been through something like that but hasn't ever dealt with it you know like there's here right here is a blueprint that you can use and embedded in this story um which i thought was pretty great yeah i think my only criticism in terms of of especially Janelle like and her journey it's just like Janelle never really grew up for me like mm-hmm. she always seemed to be very childlike mm-hmm. even when she was making all of these decisions on her own and being private and like wearing sexy dresses and like you know like it just didn't she didn't feel emotionally like an adult mm-hmm. um which kind of really I don't I had a really hard time like David was like not he was like non-threatening like he shows up he's very much like oh I'm the consort it's my fate it's what I've always wanted um but he doesn't like force anything he's just Mm kind of like hangs around until Janelle's ready but the inevitability of all of that is something that I I don't know if that's old-fashioned or what but I I think that was done better in the Moss books because Mm -hmm. it wasn't inevitable it was possible but not right. inevitable yeah it was yeah and, and i i, I would i would agree with uh with that that it's the, the moss books are a much better demonstration of two people sort of coming to a genuine like understanding of one another and then choosing each other and mm-hmm. choosing like that relationship where like and, and i actually that was one part of the book that i thought was handled really poorly um, is that basically Damon shows up and everyone knows he's, quote, supposed to be Janelle's consort. And he had certainly, like, you know, been attracted to her already on a sexual level. And it, it disturbed him when she was still a child. So, you know, he's this is now she's 25, I think, by the point he shows up. Right. So he, she's physically an adult. Psychologically, she's, you know, recovered her her 
you know, the worst of her wounds and is, you know, ready for a, an adult relationship. So um, there's Right, and he thinks that, that she's married um, Lucifer because there's this whole fake out where Lucifer is walking around talking about how he's married and... Yeah, and has a kid. And, and has a kid. You know, we named him Damon R. And, like, yeah. L- Lucifer never bothers to say that he married someone who wasn't Janelle. So, like, Damon's like, oh, God, I'm about to go throw myself off a cliff. But I guess I'll <laughs> say hi to her first. <laughs> I guess. Maybe. <laughs> Which was so funny because, like, we never – there was never – that was never going to happen. Like, it wasn't as if there was a, a love triangle or, like, any yeah, kind like of competition. It was always – always going to be Damon like mm-hmm. and Lucifer knew that Lucifer didn't want her in that way yeah. <laughs> she didn't want him in that way like that's that's made so clear but because you know there, there's also I guess in in the relationship between Damon and Lucifer a little bit of distrust and then um like it was always there just because of how they were pitted against each other um that's really kind of like broken open by what happens to Janelle where Damon's there and Lucifer's not. So Lucifer doesn't know what happened and is told, you know, that she died and Damon had a part of it. And, um, yeah, I mean, that part was actually really interesting to me because it it created some kind of conflict that wasn't just like, Oh, these people over here who are like dismembering and burning people alive, they're evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's like well yeah duh, they're evil like that whole <laughs> conflict between like lucifer thinking one thing because there was a lack of information mm-hmm. that like damon had maybe raped her or like done or killed her or done something terrible and then like he was like oh, i'm gonna kill you like all of that stuff that happens like early on in that arc um was i think more interesting than like at the end when I mean, I knew that, like, the sadist was going to come back, but it was almost mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, okay, he's going to pretend to be bad. Yeah. And it was all this build up because he's like, I'm going to do things that are so horrible. We have to be so secret so that it's all real and no one will ever forgive me. And I was just like, I'm like, they forgive you for all the terrible shit you've done now. Like, I don't yeah. know. Like, <laughs> that, that part, I was just like, it was less less stakes, I think, because... I just never thought for a second that anyone that mattered in the story was going to believe that the sadist was the real, like that he'd been playing them all this time. Right. Or that even if they believed it temporarily, like when they found out the truth on the other side, that there wouldn't be forgiveness for that. Right. And Lucifer, like, figuring it out immediately was just like, oh, thank God. And then, like, yeah, (laughs) Surreal was like, she had to, she took convincing, like, there was some weird shit that happened, like, when he had to like fake rape his dad <laughs> yeah. just was like what is happening like like and then the, there was all this very clinical description of them like putting their cock rings on and off and i was just like <laughs> all right i forgot about the cock rings like just when you forget about the cock rings they come back like <laughs> yeah like and i really oh, really thought that when janelle made the rings for her court that they were regular rings <laughs> Like, yeah, I really, like, I was just like, yeah, they're regular rings because cock rings are ridiculous, <laughs> right? Like, why, why couldn't they have been regular rings? Why do they like, have to be cock rings? Good. Yeah, exactly. Why that was a that was a Tyrellian and tradition, was... and like nobody other than Damon and Lucivar had any like any business knowing anything about any, that any weird Tyrellian shit because they didn't live there, they weren't from there, had <laughs> never from been there. over there. They don't live there. It's stupid. Like, 
but then also like the detail where he had like he he got like the clumps of clay when he was getting his supplies and like very carefully was like pointed out and he had these three lumps of clay and I'm like what the fuck is he gonna do with the clay and then later on he's like making fake dicks with the clay so that he could put the bad <laughs> cock rings on the clay and I'm just like did did she get a lot of reader questions about exactly how a cock ring works and figured I'm just gonna put it in the story so people stop asking It's like, how do they stay on when they when they're not hard? How does cockering work? It's like, oh god, like, yeah, magic, ta-da, magic, and they're sized. There's they're clamps, basically. That's what there are. Like, I anyway. Uh, <laughs> at least look. At least there's no hymens left in this book, except oh god, Damon. He no still hy- has a hymen. Oh god. It was yeah. just like, oh, okay, we're taking a break to learn about <laughs> <laughs> these books are crazy. <laughs> and yeah. I- oh, so I wanted I wanted to go back to, uh, to <laughs> just to the whole like courtship between Damon and Janelle sure. and how like insensitively that was handled. We got yeah. distracted with the cockerings um, <laughs> because okay, so Damon has basically been a sexual slave for like a thousand years. And even he's never like physically had sex with anyone. He's just always did his like fake air hands and, right. you know, basically been abused. He's never had a positive sexual relationship. And Janelle has been raped and has also never had a positive sexual relationship. And when he shows up and like, oh, this is you guys are fated to be together. What does every person around them do? They titter and they laugh and they think it's a fucking game. And like, why are you guys taking so long to get to it? And like it was it's meant to be, I think, like a humorous section where like the two of them can't figure things out. But I was and everyone's watching them like. Yeah, I was really horrified by each other. Yeah everyone's like around them is watching them and just sort of like waiting for things to happen and like being entertained by this and god bless fucking surreal she's the one that figures out that like there's an issue and she's like damon just kiss her like just start with that see if she likes it but it's okay for you to take that much initiative and he's like but i don't i don't she doesn't want me and surreal's like dude she was fucking raped and she's never been with anybody what the fuck like what the fuck Right. And actually, like, and, and I think she well, gives she's like, it's that wise or... whore trope, right? Where she's like, yeah. look, you know. Yeah, somebody has to make the first move here. But yeah. she at least has, like, some, like, I don't know, like, delicacy with it and, like, some practical advice and is not laughing at either of them, but actually realizing, like, oh, shit, like, this is, they're, they're both, like, being hurt by this situation. But it's also, um, like, they don't. That That is it. That's, like, the detail of their relationship. Like, we don't get to yeah. see them really spending time with each other. Or, or like, like, learning the – like, to, to trust each other, like, psychologically or have any other form of intimacy. Right. Like, like acting as humans who – like, it's, like, they're not just bodies that fit together, right? They're, right. like – Yeah. They're people. And what do they do? And what do they like? And do they have interests? And I think there's, like, maybe one or two scenes where, like, they, they occupy the same area and, like – but it's all building up to – Mm-hmm. like a sexual encounter or lack thereof and it's just like well why can't they just like have like live their life like why yeah. why but can't again they like you're out like the world if they building... want to be friends with each other first right i think that's just like a fault of the world building because mm-hmm. there isn't anything to do in her court like there's <laughs> yeah. not they all just seem to sit around in well, like it's, various it's, rooms 
Yeah, well, it's because when like her when her court is actually quote there when the coven is there. We haven't even talked about the coven. It's basically like all of her old friends that she used to go visit all around Kalir, um, when she was a child and like realm hopping. Um, basically, they're all like either queens or black widows or both, and like very strong like magic users. And so, um, anyway, they're they most for the most part become the respective queens of their territories of Kalir, and um. So when most of the time they're not there. So when they are there, it's sort of like they're on vacation. Even though they're serving in the dark court, it's really like, oh, fuck, I could stop being queen of my own realm for like a week and come just sit around and play with Uncle Satan and my friend Janelle. Like, yeah, so it's just I like a that's... series of endless drawing rooms and like <laughs> people sitting around right. on cushions. And exactly. There's just there's not a lot. Um, it, it, it's I don't know. Her court's I guess it's supposed to be peaceful, but really it's it's pretty boring. It's really boring. Like. Like what? I mean, like they bring the one demon dead guy to like do their portraits. <laughs> like <that's, laughs> it's like the guy who teaches them how to paint. That's like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's a garden. There's a couple scenes where they're in the garden. Yeah. And there's lots of drama about how much all of them hate dressing up and they love just like wearing trashy old gardening clothes and uh, and like Uncle Satan just like sighs and is like, why can't any of you, why can't any of you wear dresses and just be fancy and pretty just, just fancy, once, yeah. just, just one time. It's like, okay, Reese. Hi. Yeah. It's like somebody <laughs> wants to have a, it's like throw a party, throw a ball, do something. Like don't, yeah. no one's going to dress for dinner. Come on. It's, no. Yeah, don't don't bitch about it. Do something about it. How about that? <laughs> but also, how weird is it that Satan got her that dress? Like, why didn't Damon get her that dress? <laughs> why was it Satan? Because because I guess Satan was like trying to like he he's old school and he believes that like a you know sexual relationship is a natural zesty enterprise <laughs> between two young lovers who are destined to be together. And I'm just trying to show you it. that. It's okay, daughter. You're, you're going to need a sexy dress. And, you know, I know Damon's been a sex slave, so he's got his wardrobe. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> At the end, when she did the shout out to, like, the white shirt that was open yes. to the navel. Oh, God. <laughs> what are the outfits? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It is some, it's some, like, majorly, like highlander shit like yes <laughs> they're all in highlander cosplay that's all you have to picture if you have seen highlander you have seen you, that's it you have the visual vocabulary for this book yes this is definitely not fashion not fashion <laughs> absolutely not uh so um, the only kindred that i gave a shit about were the spiders i thought uh -huh. they were super useful they, like, do a lot of cool stuff and do most of the major magic at the end to, like, keep Janelle alive. Mm -hmm. They're the dream weavers. And they they're also sort of, like, fate weavers in that sense. That, like, if, if, enough, if enough dreams are dreamed to create an entire web, then they can, like, you know, create, like, make that come into being. Like, I don't know. That, like, that was cool. Yeah, I liked, I liked them. I didn't care about any of the others. I mean, the others were basically like, um, who, who's Jasmine's tiger, pet tiger in Aladdin? You know, right. yeah, Raja. Um, they were, 
Yeah, they were awesome pets and that you could talk to them. Yes. But like that's essentially like what they were. Yeah. Unfortunately. And then there was like the dog that like ran back and forth. <laughs> he was like a yeah. messenger. Yeah, there's like the dog that kind of translated between human and kindred. And then there was um I guess there was the one like Grace Fang who like helps out Surreal um at the end. And Right. Well, um, after she made friends with him in the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, which was a little uncomfortable, as I recall. There's something weird about that. Something weird and sexual. Or he encountered... I don't remember. What happened? Yeah, the, yeah, they saw... I don't know. I think he was probably, like, sniffing at her. Yeah, and they and Yeah, and they had to tell him, like, you can't act like that. And Yeah, human females don't like that. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, what's... I mean... It, they are, they're sort of, it's fascinating to read these books knowing that, like, there are a lot of, I think, fantasy authors who definitely read these. Okay, and- so that that was actually a question that I had, like, whether whether you see, because obviously we've talked about uh, the mass books a lot, but, yeah. like, do you, do you see this sort of uh, DNA uh, progeny of these books elsewhere? And I'm curious to know what, what uh, where you do and in, in whose books. Well, I think it's weird, but I think like a lot of the spider stuff is reminds me of Ma- of Mass's other book series, The Tower of Glass. Mm. There's like a whole like witch like race in the mountains that's reminds me of them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some details uh, because there's some some of her bad guys that come back and forth are end up in spiders, and there's blood, blood magic and all this other crap. And I'm like, oh, okay, I see that. So she's definitely she's definitely read these. Um, and then uh not so much like actual like plot points and names and stuff like we found with mass but i just like this whole idea of like dark sexually violent fantasy i just feel like i encounter it a lot especially Mm -hmm. in like um i'm trying to think of there's these books called they're by um I think Elizabeth Hayden, the the Rhapsody novels. Uh, okay, uh, not not any books that I've read. But yeah, I, I mean the name rings a bell. I've read least. all of them. Uh, not necessarily like do I think that they are. I think they're in maybe in conversation with each other uh, mm-hmm. because Rhapsody is like a a former whore with magic. There's a lot more time travel and stuff involved, but there's just like all this, like all this, like destiny and sexual violence and like my dark boyfriend and like, all like, I don't know. And, um, and I think the other thing that I wanted to point out was there, and I might've mentioned these in the last episode, uh, some books by Sarah Douglas, the Wayfarer Mm -hmm. redemption books. There's just a lot of controlling matriarchal society that controls men through sexual violence and there's like incest and like parent on child like abuse again all of this very you know these things all these kinds of these series were all published around the same time so i'm just like oh mm-hmm. well and, in the and water. i mean and the other thing is that i mean at this point these books were published basically 20 years ago mm-hmm. so there's like an entire generation of writers who might have read them at a very like formative imprint period of you know their life you right. know <laughs> and are now like coming out with books um like their first books or their first series and this is definitely like part of what they had read kind of you know kind of thing too 
Yeah, and I think especially with the court books, I like maybe like a real love of these books, but then also acknowledging that they had they there was some work that could have been done to make mm-hmm. them better. Uh, because there are certain things that Mass does that uh, you know she obviously does very deliberately, not just mm-hmm. in response to these books. I don't want to like reduce her books to just like fanfic of these because they're not, but you know. Yeah, but but definitely things that it's like, like oh, I learned by reading this that if I did a similar thing, I would want mm-hmm. these other things to happen too. Exactly. Yeah. Such as, for example, I want Reese and Feyre to have a solid, legitimate relationship mm-hmm. before like they act on the sexual tension. Or um, they talk uh, to each other about the pain that they went yeah. through. Or, Yeah. <sighs> Just communicating in general <laughs> is good. I, th- I think that the connection that she does between Reese and Feyre, the mental connection, fac- facilitates that kind of geniusly because they mm-hmm. – is geniusly a word? Uh, but, you know, like they, they, can't, they can't keep it from each other. Like whereas Damon and Janelle, a lot of their conflict is just because they are too shy to bring it up. Right, yeah, they they don't have the uh, the sort of ability to feel each other's feelings or get into one another's minds, and so right. <clears throat> and there, um, and in a way, trust. Like, like you talked about trust at the beginning when we started, yeah. like they never really they can. I mean, yes, they implicitly accept each other, and there's all these examples of Damon accepting her even when she's like gross and like some kind of weird larva person at the end. Uh, <laughs> whose bones may or may not be visible. Uh, but, you know, like, he's very accepting of her and he loves her and it doesn't matter. But, like, she'll never, like, you could, they'll never really know because they can't hear each other's thoughts, so. Yeah. And so, I mean, and so in a way, because they have that normal human limitation of you can't, they can't actually, like, t- telepathically communicate and have that sort of open, like, uh, no barrier between you and me sort of communication like it actually makes it more important that they build trust and good communication via like the normal human channels that are available to us and that's just it's so absent from their relationship like it was it was there when they met initially in the first book when she was a child and like they play together and like they you know talk about things and uh, like so their relationship started that way but it's like by the end you know, everything is hung on, like, the fact that they're fated to be together and they had a good start. Yeah, and, like, I feel he, like... He was someone she trusted as a child. And I... it's like, well, that's not good enough. <laughs> I almost feel like Bishop got really bogged down in, like, the conflict. Like, that there was too much on what was at stake mm-hmm. and how they were going to fix it and what the conflict actually was and less on everything else because there you're right there were so many things done in that first book that had no follow-through like like the 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 black widow thing with the nails that never comes up again yeah like have like why okay great well that why you know what i mean like there's just it just becomes like oh well how bad can we make hecata and dorothy Mm -hmm. like i and then like one of them gets like Satan gets one of his fingers cut off. <laughs> That's never addressed. Like, okay, you just cut his friggin' finger off. Is he okay? And then yeah. um, maybe his his balls don't get cut off, right? That gets stopped. 
I, I think that gets stopped. Yeah. Okay. Because there's just like a weird thing later on where like when Damon is like helping him take his cock ring off and he's just like, they make some comment and he's like, what about Sylvia? And he's like, Sylvia doesn't matter. She doesn't need me. And I'm like, wait, why are we talking about Sylvia right now? <laughs> like, what's, what is the elephant in the room that I'm not there for? Um, that like, I, yeah, I just think that she got too involved in this whole like, Web of dreams, kindred dreams, must stop the bad blood. Yeah, cleansing the blood and how powerful is Janelle really? And I I think I would have liked it probably a lot more if it had been more about the development between her and Damon. Because, yeah, you're right. That Mm -hmm. guy kind of like mushed, like mushed in. Like, let's get this over with. Yeah. Um, so it was not only like a missed opportunity for a, like a really you know amazing like relationship, it, you know, to or to an an opportunity to see a relationship build in an amazing way. It was also then on top of that handled in a shitty way, like as a smooshed you know uh, element. I mean, like I, I mean, for a bunch of people as broken as they are, I don't know if how realistic my ex like it would be for them to all just like be good at communicating and to like go through all you know it's not like they yeah, have I mean, any, that's very true they have nothing healthy to model on at all like there's yeah no one yeah so with, without without someone there to to model like the sort of you know uh non-violent communication styles and like this is how you you know take a chance at being like open and vulnerable with someone and this is how you build trust like it's a dance and it goes back and forth and this is how you do it like i mean i i you're right like they, they don't have anyone to show them that so they're all sort of like fumbling through and it, it wouldn't right. be realistic and, and the society is also built on this idea that like queens act one way the males mm-hmm. act another way you can't mm-hmm. change them it's fundamental like the whole conflict between her and her inner court is that she wants them all to just wait for her to handle things before mm-hmm. they attack even after lucivar's um and his wife and and son so they're kidnapped first and then he and then he's of course going after them them. um and they're like we have to go we have to go and she's like no you're gonna wait and she of course she doesn't explain why because she's keeping Mm -hmm. all this stuff close to the breast but like there's a comment um i don't know if kara says it or surreal says it but she's like well we can't hold the the boyos which that is like (laughs) if i could just erase a word from a book and replace it with anything else it would be that but she's like like the boyos they need to like <laughs> you know, like they can't help their nature, and their nature is to fight, to protect, mm-hmm. um, even if they don't know why. I guess. Uh, so yeah, the, like she's struggling. She's already created a society that acts a specific way that probably wouldn't allow her to involve like other motivations. Yeah, I'm so. But I don't know that that whole. That whole thing just bothered me there at the end because it was just it, – it was – I felt like it was in a way out of character for Janelle. Um, or maybe it wasn't. Like maybe she had her had been developing these relationships and friendships her whole life and they were sort of built from the beginning on her being a you know, wonder kid who can just do these things. Yeah, but she doesn't people... get like special moments with any of them. She doesn't really say yeah. goodbye to any of them. They also don't get like their chance to fight. Like it's just like yeah. wait around, wait around, wait around. Damon's the hero. He's gonna he's gonna buy her the seventy two hours to by doing mm-hmm. terrible things and, you know, sacrificing that part of himself. And then she's just gonna, you know, blow everybody away. Yeah, like 
Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I like, I don't, I'm not sure what she thought, like what she thought, like none of them could have actually stopped her from doing mm-hmm. it, you know, if she chose to. So, you know, I, I think it was like a very selfish choice on her part. Um, to... Well, then like also it's like, what if Dorothy and Hecate knew what she was going to do? They couldn't stop her. It doesn't matter where yeah. they went it... because that's not how the webs worked. Right. And that's not how, you know, Janelle's power was going to, to work like that. was It was once she made like once she like descended and came up through the, the web she'd created, like there was only one outcome, mm-hmm. you know, the um, and so it's I, th- I think it was just like, I guess, selfishness on Janelle's part that she didn't want the emotional pain of having to like say goodbye to people or like maybe that maybe she wouldn't have been able to do it if she saw her friends like crying at the fact that she might die or something and so she just like cut herself off from all of them so that she could like sacrifice herself well i mean it was weird because like damon she damon's the only one that knew damon's the only one as dark as her and damon still thought she can do it and survive like it never even occurred to him that she wouldn't because she said she would and it was when he like you know like older wiser beings were like oh no no like we got to do something um so like she could have just lied and told everybody this is what my plan is this is what i'm doing don't worry i'll be fine right yeah no that's that's a really good point (laughs) i mean that's i guess satan was the only one who might have looked at it and said that the webs don't work that way like because that's what he thought the the second he saw it um right yeah he saw that he had the vision and saw it and was like wait a second no (laughs) yeah um so just as a sort of philosophical question uh what do we think about her choice like there's there's this you know sort of unbridgeable divide between like the people who are tainted by you know dorothea's way of thinking and everyone else and i'm just going to kill all of the people that I mean, think the way i don't like they're just like people who torture people i don't like i don't know so you're you're getting rid of all the people who are raping children and doing sex torture shit and like you know cutting yeah. off their balls in public sure yeah yeah that seems fine <laughs> Get yeah, right. like I have, I have, I, I mean, the way it's all set up, I don't have a, have an issue with her doing that, but it's, um, you know, because they are set up to be so horrible. But I guess it's more just like I don't know. That's, I mean, it, I know it's a book and it's fantasy, but is that how life works? Like, do you really get to just have this? Like, it's not even. I mean, in a way, it's a revenge fantasy, but it's also yeah. like a save. You know, I'm saving the world fantasy um, by killing, like, just killing everybody that disagrees with me. I mean, the level of violence that's presented to the reader, like what Janelle does isn't nearly, it's fine because like mm-hmm. people just cease to exist or are, like, mm-hmm. are blown away or something. Like, it's not like the five pages where you get to like watch Damon <clears throat> cook a child, right? tear his arm off like a chicken wing and then <laughs> remove the hands and feet. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. extremely detailed, like just endless scenes of torture and like inventive torture like yeah i like, was oh all right yeah like if you're after having been through you know 300 pages or or 600 800 however many pages at this point of like you know dorothy and hecate's like entertainments and you know yeah. the little bits and pieces you see like it was still inventive like what david came up with yeah. so you know 
Yeah. So after that, at that point, you're kind of like, oh, well, like Janelle's actually being reasonable. She's not. Yeah. (laughs) She's not torturing them all. She's not. And there was there was sacrifice on her part because the demon dead all had to kind of cease Mm -hmm. existing and like cross over in order to anchor the rest of the blood. I don't really know why that doesn't that wasn't really explained, but like. Uh, yeah, I, I in terms of the way that the book reads, it was reasonable. Yeah, to me. Yeah, I mean, I've, I, I, I feel. I mean, I feel like it is, but I, I can also see where, like, in a different book, if if that was the decision made, I might, you know, disagree with it. Um, and it, right. so it's just it's it's an interesting sort of philosophical question to ask. Yeah, uh, because the, the other thing is this: like, I know there's like a quote taint in that the you know these people are all corrupted but they're corrupted to a way of thinking it's like this like an idea is a virus um Uh so what happens if someone else has that like corrupt way of thinking like is it is that impossible that that could ever you know come back into the world um i don't know just they talk about that a little bit with damon specifically because dorothea's like proud of how she has warped Damon that he Mm -hmm. that he's like the reason he has basically two personalities is because the sadist is real like yeah the sadist does find pleasure in those things and he has to kind of like lock him up behind a door Mm -hmm. because there's some part of him that's like oh no that guy sucks (laughs) so it seems as if it's not necessarily a way of just a way of thinking because there's all these terrible actions that go along with mm-hmm. that way of thinking. Like it, it's not just thinking like children are sexy. It's like children are sexy and I'm going to rape them. Like, right. You know, it's not. Yeah. I guess the, it's so perverse that they need to be wiped away. <laughs> Yeah, I think at least Janelle's way of thinking, because again, she's a victim, right? Like she, yeah, she's she knows exactly what that way of thinking does. Yeah, and and she's also very protective. Um, I, I mean, ba- like Janelle is basically stirred to violence on behalf of other people. Like she won't defend herself. Um, all, like I mean, I think that's kind of one of the recurring themes through the book is like that she doesn't take care of herself, she doesn't defend herself, she doesn't like value herself, but she will like defend with fire and blood, mm-hmm. you know, anyone that she cares about, and um, so she, you know, she wouldn't have she wouldn't have done that to save herself, but to save like the kindred who were in her mind, completely innocent and, you know, to save her friends and all the people that she loves, like, you know, then she, there's no, there's no darkness too dark for her to go to, um, to, to save her family basically. Yeah. I think it was more about sacrifice and less about punishment yeah i mean i think it was, it was more about pro- like protection she wasn't she wasn't after retaliation she was just like that's the only way she saw to like stop the cycle and to you know keep everyone she loved from getting killed in a war um like, you know because the other side was aggressive and was not going to stop being aggressive <clears throat> mm-hmm. <clears throat> well yeah they weren't going to stop like again like satan had like burned off half of hecate's was it hecate's face yeah so yeah, he'd burned off half her face and then Dorothy had like poisoned her and yet she was still going. Like 
It's <laughs> <laughs> just still going. Like and, and Dorothy who's demon dead was still like, "Oh, uh, I'm I I'm going to enslave Damon and like I uh, you know, I'm going to take this fan that was what she thought was a real child that that surreal had and like yeah she was she was ready to expand her influence exponentially Mm -hmm. so yeah she needed to go yeah (laughs) um let's see uh did you have um any like particular like favorite scenes in the books um or anything Mm -hmm. that stood out to you as like especially powerful or moving I mean, I did like the unsure Damon. That was actually kind of sweet because he is generally so confident and knowledgeable and like sexually aggressive. So like mm-hmm. him being kind of like, oh, what do I, you know, that, that was nice. Uh, and I, I did, I did really enjoy all of the like kindred spider stuff. I had no idea it was happening, but I liked it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, what did you What did you think about Lucifer's big escape from Tyrell into uh, Kalir, where he does the cauldron run? Oh, the cauldron run. I yeah, I didn't care. <laughs> it was just like I think that I should have read the novella because I think I'm I really like Lucifer in the first book, but I feel like he had lost mm-hmm. a lot of his character potency for me mm-hmm. in these novels. Yeah. Well, in the uh, in the second book, um, like I basically like my um, my favorite Lucifer moments are in the second book. Yeah. And it's after he and Damon have the fight where he basically tells Damon, you killed Janelle and Damon right. can't like remember. So that's why he ends up in the Twisted Kingdom because he he can't remember and Lucifer hates him. And he thinks because, he killed her. Yeah. And, because Lucifer believes that he killed her. And so um, it shatters his mind again. Um so when uh, Lucivar decides to escape, um, like there's two scenes and it's when he like makes the choice internally, like that I'm going to do this. And like, it's like a five year plan where he like slowly starts, <laughs> right. you know, acting like, you know, he's being broken and like becoming like submissive and slavish until like finally one day the guards like don't lock him up the way they're supposed to because oh, she's just, just broken old Lucivar over there <laughs> and then he kills everybody and like escapes and um, basically is uh, planning a suicide run through the cauldron so he can just die like an Aryan warrior and he's like <laughs> I just want to breathe a, you know free air of Kalir <laughs> one time you know I don't know like what, they didn't I will say this they did not stand out to me on this reread um the way they did the first time I read this book, but like the first time I read this book, like those scenes were like gut punch. I mean, it like, was emotional. it was nice to finally see like, him escape because he had yeah. been enslaved forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just like that. I don't know. It's just like that visceral like pleasure of like I don't care if I die, I'm gonna fucking die free. Like yeah. I don't know. There was just something really beautiful about that. And like I said, it, it didn't hit me quite the same way on on this reread. But it's like, oh yeah. It, there's a little bit of that still there, like that resonating for me. I guess I just, mm-hmm. I was in the right place when I read it the first time. Yeah. <laughs> like that it hit me. I was like, I wonder if I, I think also, like, I don't recommend reading them like separately. Like, you should just read it all yeah. as one story. Because, yeah. like, me taking the breaks, I lost, mm-hmm. I think it's not, I didn't lose momentum, but I lost, I think she relied on some of the character development that happened in the first book. Mm hmm. 
to carry yeah. through and I had lost some of that. Yeah, like definitely some of the em- emotional nuance or like yeah. just the the build. You yeah, know, like the 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 way like romance novels are really good to like read kind of in one sitting or like, you know, a very yes. like over short time span because there's all this like emotional juice that yeah. it's just like it builds and it builds and it it's builds and you finally like yeah, yeah, like that catharsis. It's very like in- intentionally done, and so like and if you t- if you take too long, you're that... kind of like, oh my god, is this still? <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah, you got to get through it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but one uh, <clears throat> one other scene that to me, like, I I don't know, I this probably like says more about me than I really want to say, but um, I'm going to say it anyway. Um, that I just thought was absolutely beautiful was when Damon is coming out of the twisted kingdom and he, um, he finds like, cause Janelle had basically like mapped out uh, a path out for him with like messages and puzzles for him to like figure out. It was just like a video game. It was awesome. Yeah. And it's basically like teaching him how to be human again and like how to be sane again. Um, <clears throat> And so um, this one, unlike the other resting places she'd provided for him, this one disturbed him. Um, It was an altar. At its center was a crystal chalice that had once been shattered. Even from where he stood, his eyes could trace every fracture line, could see where the pieces had been carefully fitted back together. There were sharp-edged chips around the rim where small pieces had been lost, chips that could cut a man badly. Inside the chalice, lightning and black mist performed a slow, swirling dance. Fitted around the chalice's stem was a gold ring with a faceted ruby. A man's ring. A consort's ring. Mm, not a he regular fu- ring. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess that's what a man's ring means. Huh? I know. I was, again, <laughs> I got so far thinking it was regular rings until... I did too. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Um, anyway, if he Sorry. read the message correctly... She had healed, but was soul-scarred and not completely whole. By claiming the consort's ring, he would have the privilege of savoring what the chalice held, but the sharp edges could wound any man who tried. However, a careful man... Yes, he decided as he studied the sharp-edged chips. A careful man who knew those edges existed and was willing to risk the wounds would be able to drink from that cup. And, I don't know, I I just thought that was profoundly, like, beautifully, beautiful imagery you know, to describe somebody who's like been through some shit and gotten through it, but there's probably always going to be places that are more fragile than they should be or hurt more than they should. And so, you know, that was more of like the, I guess the delicacy with which she handled some aspects of the trauma healing process. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think like when, again, I, I, it's clear that Damon and Janelle are her favorite characters to write. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think she does love Satan, but he just, <sighs> I, I want to shake him. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He never thinks nicely of himself. Like Just, just, just one, one ounce of self-esteem, Satan. That's all you need. Just, just one. Just so, one just ounce. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Make it by yourself a nice dress, Satan. Make yourself feel better. You don't need anyone else's approval. (laughs) Touche. Holy shit. (laughs) It's called self care, Satan. Mm -hmm. Retail therapy. You should try it. Yes. (laughs) Um. 
So did you have um did you have any final thoughts on the books or the trilogy that you want to uh to, that you want to add? Uh yeah, so I I said I do recommend reading them all as like one story. Mm-hmm. Um and then I think we had a note that I, like would I recommend this to a friend? I don't know. Like, <laughs> only because they are so fucked up uh-huh. that I would be very afraid that I was handing like something potentially extremely triggering to mm-hmm. my friend unknowingly. So yeah, yeah, I think if it was like if so if it's someone whose book tastes I know very well and I know that they can handle it, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's about where I am with them. I mean, obviously, I re- I recommended them to you in, in part because you know we had read the mass books, but um, but we talked about it you know first because like I'm very well aware of the fucked upness of, yeah. of these books. Um, but there's something fucking compelling about them too. Like there the, there really is, is an emotional undeniable. like yeah. rawness to them that is it, it's astounding and it's it's. Like, there's definitely criticisms to be had about the execution of the book, but there's something very beautiful about them, too. Yeah. Um, and uh, the only other, uh, I guess, ending question is, do our, do any of your answers change on the uh, uh, murder, Mary fuck? <laughs> I uh, can't remember what I said because <laughs> it's been that long. Uh, so the murder, Mary fuck, I'm still murdering... Dorothy. I'm pretty sure that's who I said last time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to marry Lucifer because he was kind of a jerk to his wife. <laughs> I'm going to change it. Uh, who am I going to marry now? You know what? Surreal's awesome. I'll marry her. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, we'll leave the fucking to Damon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I could I could definitely uh, I could definitely marry surreal, um, but I, I I still like Lucifer. But that's also I've also like I don't know I've read the, I've read the novella. Yeah, a lot, I think I and, need to read that because clearly I'm just missing something. Yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely like he definitely has that. I'm going to you know be like inflict playful violence on you to like help you kind of big brother thing which i don't really like that kind of energy and i probably would not tolerate but um you know so maybe i wouldn't be a good match for him i need to marry surreal after all but (laughs) but he's he's very tender in the book you actually get to like sort of see the the side of him that truly like yearns that like meets this little um Hearthwitch, who doesn't think much of herself because she's been, you know, like belittled and abused by her family her entire life. And um, he's he thinks she's sweet and amazing and like what he wants to come home to. So like mm-hmm. that's kind of the dynamic they have. She's just she's a much softer and gentler presence. Um, but part of that story is him sort of teaching her how to like stand up for herself and like kind of uh, he, you know, like regain her wings, so to speak. Um, so um you know so i have a soft spot for him because of that story which yeah i mean it's like it's intentionally left out of these books for dramatic purposes so that like damon has that oh yeah who's lucifer married married to yeah Yeah. and you know the the reader is with him like oh shit (laughs) what no time has gone by has she waited or not uh Hmm. yeah uh what else is it fashion no no. <laughs> and are there any worms? Do we want to count Lauren the dragon as a worm? 
Well, we, actually, Janelle at the end, like, or maybe. May, she maybe. I don't really know what was going on there. All I know is that they were like, so Damon. <laughs> Warning. <laughs> she looks real bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, her body was so fucking damaged. Like, She's basically been in, re- regrown in an artificial womb for the last three months. Uh, you can see her now. <laughs> but she might be transparent. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that's she, the kind of worm that I meant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think the kind of worm you meant, it's still a pretty straightforward, like, no, there's no like, worms. I want to, um, yeah, can I ride well, it? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like, can I, can I ride it into battle? Um, so yeah, so this will probably go up before our next real episode, which is still the Raven Tower by Anne Leckie, uh, <laughs> which I am almost done with. So hopefully it won't be too long before we record again. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, so listeners, stay tuned to uh, to find out if we like Leckie's fantasy as much yeah. as we like her science fiction. And uh, Rachel, I do appreciate you going on the wild ride into the darkness with me. Yes. Um, oh, um, and I do. I do have one last question. Oh, yes. If you had a jewel color, what do you think it would be? Hmm. Um. I'm gonna go with probably like. I don't know, like a solid red. Red? Yeah. Like, I don't I don't think I'm actually super dark, you know, provoked. I could probably, like, muster something, but, you know, I'm, I'm not super I, dark. <laughs> what about I, you? Uh, I, I think, like, I'm in the, I think I'm in the middle. I think I'm, like, an opal. I think I'm, like, in that transitional space. Yeah, the one that could go, it could be dark or it could be light, depending yeah. on, uh. Which I know doesn't make me very powerful, but I think in terms of just, like, energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't really, I don't see myself at the bottom of that pile. Yeah, like, no, I definitely. I, yeah, like, I feel like, I mean, I have, like, I can, like, hulk out, like, with the best of them, but I just, yeah, I don't. But you have to be provoked. Yeah, it's not like yeah. a, it's not like I'm gently descending into the darkness and, like, you know, like, no. Nah. Yeah, I need I need like fuel. <laughs> so yeah, that's that was my last question. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a very good uh, good note to end on. So uh, with that, I guess we'll say that's a wrap for this episode, and we'll see you guys next time. Yep. Yeah, bye. Bye.